Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people, and uh, in this episode I talked to one of my favorite creative people that I've known the longest uh, in L.A., Scott Williams. He's a creative director for the company Pembroke Design, which is his own company, and that means he does title treatments, uh, graphics, trailers, that kind of stuff for motion pictures and television. Um, Scott's one of my oldest friends. We met at an audition for Princess Cruises, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on the podcast at this time, because I just came out with an ebook on Amazon, Amazon.com called Mariner's Club Mixtape, where I write about my cruise ship dancing days and the songs that remind me of them, and I thought it would be fun to talk to Scott about what he remembers about working on the ships and my my audiobook and also about his work. And uh, he also took some questions from the observation deck and uh, talked about his favorite font, which I'm always curious to know. Um, we did the podcast in his car, driving from his place that he shares with his partner Peter in Cambria to the train station in San Luis Obispo. I got to go up there for a few days, and it is such... A beautiful place to be. Um, I got a lot of writing done. I spent some great time with those guys, and it was just exactly what I needed. So enjoy this kind of um, rollicking trip through our nautical memories and so forth. Uh, and thanks again to Scott and Peter for an awesome few days. Hey there, I am coming to you from my friend Scott Williams' Prius. We are in Cambria, Central California where I have just spent an invigorating few days writing and hanging out, and now we're driving back to San Luis Obispo, and I'm going to catch the train home to Los Angeles. First of all, Scott, thank you for an amazing getaway. You're welcome. And I love doing these little the little recordings in the run. Uh, sometimes the microphone dips down, and but you know what? It's all good. It's all good. Um, Scott is a creative director who does projects for TV and film and different other kinds of projects. You have your own company. Pembroke, Pembroke Design, or just Pembroke? Um, Pembroke Creative, Pembroke Productions. I love that. It's creative. It's all-encompassing. It's open. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Actually, the website is PembrokeCreative.com. PembrokeCreative.com. you got to love that. And it's a beautiful website, I have to say. I'm jealous because you have a splash page, which I wanted you to teach me how to do, but I we ran out of time. We had a lot of on our plate this trip. You need a splash page. I do need a splash page for my website. I'm working on it. But um, I want to talk to you about some design stuff. But first, I want to talk to you about cruise stuff. Because Scott and I met at an audition for Princess Cruises in the late 80s. And we've been friends ever since. And funny enough, like, that cruise world, it feels like a long time ago. But it's sort of come back again in a way for both of us. Because we just had a, a call with Princess Cruises about perhaps developing something for them creatively. And also, I um, just came out with my first mini ebook. I am a Kindle author now, and it's called Mariner's Club Mixtape. And it's a short uh, kind of essay that's part of a travel series called Six of One. Six different writers tell travel stories. And I write about my cruise ship uh, dancing days. And, Scott, you were, like, one of the first people to actually read it and download it on a Kindle. Yes, it was very exciting. It's very good. What? We haven't talked about it yet. I'm using this as an excuse to get a plug-in for my new enterprise and try to lure in some of those big 299 
Uh, paydays? Is that how much? That's how much it costs. Two ninety nine on Kindle. So you'll get twenty nine cents. I, 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 you know what? It doesn't matter to it me. All adds up. I'm an artist. <laughs> well, the truth is, I got the opportunity because an editor um, that owns this book company uh, reached out to me. Her name's Afa Mulholland, as in the Drive. And we, I had never. I don't know if I'd met her, but we'd worked for some of the same sort of travel websites and stuff like that. And she reached out to me and said, "I'm doing this new." thing? Do you want to write something about it? I had like two or three weeks to come up with it. Like not very much time, but it wasn't super long. It wasn't a lot of words, but I was like, yes, I'll do it. And so I was trying to think about how to write about those years. Cause I did it for like five years. How long were you on ships? Um, I think about that long. About the same. I, I probably, you got more days in, but I, cause I would leave for like three or four months and not come back for a long while. Right. Whereas I was more consistent in my in my tenures. You weren't afraid of that six-month contract. No. Well, the, my last contract was a six-month error. But, uh, and you were. You were, like, not having... I would go on, like, you know, most You of were, like, a fill-in a lot. I like, was a substitute. I mean, I would do fitness directing. I would do fill-in for... A singer, which should never have happened. Ever. You tell the story about going on a ship as like a to fill in in the shows, and on Princess at that time, everyone was singers and dancers, but they were always like stronger singers and stronger dancers and whatever. But you went on a ship where there weren't a lot of singers. Well, everybody always wants that big song. There was always like two or three big songs that everybody was fighting for. Right. And I never usually had to worry about being assigned that because I wasn't a singer. So and there was always somebody that was like, I'll take the big solo. Oh, yeah. No, I'll do that. Even though I don't do it, you know, usually, I, of course, I'll take that. I'm yeah. Like, Perfect. Great. So you you were off the hook. Yeah. But I ended up that one time. It was a brand new Broadway show. And I was only on for like two cruises. And um, they're like, okay, well, here's your part. Everybody else is dancers. I'm like, uh, well, I'm kind of a dancer, too. They're like... Well, somebody's got to sing Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, Which? Oh. Phantom of the Opera? Were you singing Phantom or Raul? Wasn't it Raul? Raul, like, yeah. The male guest entertainer would have been. The love me part? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, Raul doesn't even have a mask on, so it's like I can't even <laughs> He can't even hide behind a mask. <laughs> so you had to do Raul and Phantom. Oh, it was horrible, Dennis. <laughs> Say you love me every day. And so, did you just... I what just horrible through it, and um, oh, actually, you know what? I believe the first time I had to do it, I pretended like the microphone wasn't working, like <laughs> on the high high notes. Like it's like, oh my gosh, you would like look at it, like I would look at it and tap it, like oh my gosh, is this thing on? on? This and you're on. opening your mouth to sing, and the tech guy is like, like, like panicking, panicking, and I'm like, that's really smart, though. Of course, you thought on your feet. I was like, I can't hit these notes. I'm like, yeah. just it's it's technical fault. And it's like, and then, you know, make a pathetic face and like, I don't know. But I got through two shows somehow. Right. And I, you didn't, nobody like, nobody died. Nobody died. And I remember the cruise director like coming up to me later and saying, do you know what you're really doing? And I'm like, absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I go, how, and he's like, how bad is it? And I'm like, and he's like, oh, please, nobody's watching. <laughs> oh, good. Who, which cruise director was that? Um, I think it was Keith. Keith Cox. Yeah, he was so wonderful. I mentioned Keith in one of my stories in my Mariners Club mixtape thing. And speaking of music, the, I, I, it was so much happened in those years, and I couldn't think about how to write about it. So 
what I did was I picked like five songs that remind me very specifically of certain events and memories of that time. And then I, I go through each song like a mixtape. And um, are there songs that take you back to your cruise life when you hear them? It's funny because, you know, I was... Besides reading, Phantom of the Opera? I mean, it would be, probably be songs from the shows. But yeah. I, for some reason, I don't remember specific songs. I remember doing Jane Fonda out um, on the cruise deck, but... Uh, like a, with a video or like an audio? I guess it was the audio. Didn't yeah. she have like audio? You I'm could sure she had everything with? you could do, yeah. But Walkmans. You, but the thing with like, you, you always... Not only could you do all of the cruise staff duties and then go and do two shows but then after that you're like oh I wanted to make other videos or I wanted to, you know I'm doing all this extra credits you were the extra credit king on Princess Cruises I like to do projects I've always liked projects and actually one of the stories that I tell is like this cruise show that we produced on my last contract where I just became obsessed with it and was like you know, choreographing numbers and doing flyers on my Dat Matrix printer, and I was like drunk on it, <laughs> and I was like turning into Fosse. Like, you know, I might have been annoying, but I, I it was like, I, it, I really discovered like this creative fervor, high obsession thing that I uh, that I kind of live for, even though it can be uh, draining. But I don't know, I mean, I really don't know how you found the energy, because I think when we finally worked together, I actually told you to your face, I'm like, okay, Dennis, I can barely get through the day, so don't even, I'm not doing music videos. We're not doing music videos videos in the middle of the night? We're not doing, you're not going to do this parody thing, no, you're not? I'm not doing extra cruise. No, Um, it's not happening. (laughs) Well, because I love, because I don't think we ever did, you, that one of the stories was about having a ship staff a cruise show, yeah. Well, the last ship I went on, I was just dancer only. So I wasn't doing cruise staff duties. We were just performing in the shows. It was a new configuration for the company. So we had a lot more time, and we had time to be creative or be lazy or be whatever. And so that was a totally different animal than what you were used to. And that's when I did that cruise show. But oh, Well, that makes me feel better. But the first story I told was about being in Hong Kong and having this one-night stand with the flight attendant and I don't know I think at that time like people were gay but not people weren't really out and I was discovering things and it was all that all that messed up time when it was a different time it was that a was different a time, time do you remember any gay couples that you worked with that were sort of out that people knew about I can think of like one or two I don't remember like that actually maybe worked on the ships I mean yeah a little bit it was mainly just like flings but you know what people always ask me like you know do you think that there's like that one true love and actually I always think of two couples and I remember very specifically there was like these this gay couple and they 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 cruised a lot but they, they were passengers they were passengers and they were older it was an older gay couple i think they had been together for who knows like 40 years right or so and you could just tell you know they held hands and i remember being really shocked by that but at the same time it's also it really opened my eyes about like wow that it just felt like they they had been together forever and of course they were but that, you know, finding that one true soulmate or whatever. 
but like that was the first time you had sort of seen that in the real world yeah in a couple like as an example um i when i was writing this uh ebook about this time i was thinking of stories where i was so shockingly naive that it's almost embarrassing like when i met this flight attendant i was kind of on holiday in hong kong and i remember the steps of what happened and it was so clear that he was like this older guy and he was trying to seduce me or what you know and in my head i was like no we're just going for um we're gonna have dinner and then yeah i guess i'll go back to his hotel with him but nothing's gonna happen like please like i can't believe how naive i was and um it's almost embarrassing to think about how how clueless I was. But it wasn't necessarily that, but I think it was also just the time. I mean, that, I mean, not to, yeah, to count back, it was like, it's like a whole generation ago. It was like, right. that's a long time. And I remember one of the first people I knew that, that died of AIDS was somebody that I had trained with in Princess Cruises. And I also remember there was a male guest entertainer that was like one of the first people that I knew and I remember being with, in China with this guy, and he was older, but he was really nice, and he was like a singer. But he would hook up, like we were in China, and he got laid in a friendship store from with some Chinese clerk. And I don't even remember what a friendship store is, but I remember <laughs> that he like got laid in a friendship store. And he used to say sort of lascivious things to us in the dressing room. And I remember one time, him walking I was in my dance belt and he walked past and he looked at my ass and he said it talks to you <laughs> and I was what? like I was it talked I guess my ass was talking to him um what did it say I, it said don't bet on it <laughs> but looking I think at the time I was a little bit like ooh that's creepy or oh I'm not that kind of guy and now I'm like I wish my ass would talk to anyone <laughs> my ass has gone mute um I guess what's it's lost its voice. It's lost. It's like it was like Cindy Brady or Carol Brady at the Christmas pageant. But I, the line between knowingness and not knowingness and experience and not doing anything and not and how things work and how things don't work, it was so pronounced and stark and angst ridden during that time. But in a way, it kind of maybe saved my skin if I had been further along. Yeah, but you know what? It's also that all that coming of age stuff. I mean, you're yeah. more experienced, you're older now. I mean, the world is a different place. But I mean, it was such an amazing job to have and to see the world and to open up your eyes to different cultures. And I mean, really. You said like, yesterday that it was like the best, maybe the best job you ever had. I think, I mean, of course. I mean, listen, being a farm boy from Kansas and like not really seeing a lot of diversity and stuff like that. It was, like, really amazing time to, you know, travel the world. But the other thing, too, is we got chances to do stuff we would never do. You know, yeah. here's a microphone. Go introduce the the magician that's yeah. coming up next. I mean, I don't tell Joe. I mean, oh, my gosh. That was... Were you good at that? Like, no. I remember like the first Joe time I, I had to host a cabaret, which is you, you go on and you say, welcome to the, you know, International Lounge and please enjoy the comedy stylings of Dick Gold or whatever. And then you come out at the end. Yeah. And all I remember is coming out and saying Dick Gold like 50 times. Dick Gold! <laughs> Dick Gold, ladies and gentlemen. Dick 
Dinkle. Like, I couldn't think of any other words like, keep it going for Dick Gold. I couldn't think of anything. Dick Gold. Like, I just kept saying Dick Gold. That might be the name of this podcast. But it still did awkward, but then you got better. Well, no, I didn't. I I mean, I got in, I got out. I remember feeling a little confident one time and like, you know, I might try that lighthouse joke that's so popular that I probably had heard. The punters eat up the lighthouse joke. And it's probably, I've heard like, what, a million times everybody would do it. And it's like, well, I don't think anybody on this cruise is telling it, so maybe I'll try I couldn't remember it. I couldn't. T- I couldn't even remember the punch. Did you line. get halfway through it and just stop? No, I just keep. Uh, I tend to just ramble and then just like and the you know like the lighthouse keeper was wearing this and this and this and then I'm right. just trying to tell the story and I have like realized I have no punchline. Yeah. And then I, I who knows what I did and ladies and gentlemen, Dick Gold. <laughs> like in the middle, I'm like I'm done and done and you're out. Yeah. It was fun though. Like and one of the things I think. I remember the lighthouse joke. Yeah. Well, it was like, this is the QE2, back away, I change course. And then the punchline is, this is Fred, the lighthouse keeper. In other words, this ship was heading straight for the lighthouse. And one of these big ships were going to change course, but it's, you know, the punchline uh, is, it's not a ship. It's a, it's it's a lighthouse. A, yeah. Going to the, like, maybe, I, like, who knows? It yeah. Right over my head. I know. Well, the thing that, that I sort of, if this little ebook of mine has any focus at all, it's sort of a Valentine to the friends that I made out there because I loved making friends from people with different cultures and I don't know. I, I sort of love that United Colors of Benetton. I have a memory of like going out in Manila and there was like me and my Mexican bus boyfriend and my Filipino cabin steward friend and my Italian cook friend and we were just gonna go out on the town and dance and have fun and like. That's the stuff that I really cherish. Well, there was a lot of, like, upstairs, downstairs going on. And you were actually, you know, you were kind of risk, risking it to, like, go downstairs. You loved the, you know, that's sort of not... You were, like, a rule breaker in that way. Well, I didn't... It, first of all, it didn't occur to me that, like, becoming friends with the crew and being in their areas was so... I didn't get the cast system at work. And I got in trouble once. I got called to the captain because I spent time on the crew deck hanging out with friends of mine that you can't be there if you're an officer. They resent it. Like, I didn't get those lines that were that were set up there. I didn't get the caste system. And I guess that idea that we're, that we're sort of born with in America, that people are people, even though it's a cliche, like, I did kind of... I didn't buy into the class system, and I didn't even think that way. And so I kind of got in trouble a few times like that. But, of course, we weren't really, like naval officers. I mean, those officers and everybody, a lot of them were actually right. trained in the Navy or, you know, whatever. So they actually, I, I'm sure they came from like a culture where this is normal, maybe. Right. And they, it meant a lot to them to have yeah. those stripes. And we were just like dancers and we had a officer status and a lot of them resented us because we were just like, you know, da- dancing people that can kickball change. And now we were eating in the wardroom with the officers, so... And we got our own cabin, and we didn't have to share. Yeah, we didn't have to share a cabin, and we could, we could go wherever we wanted, pretty much. It was a whole... That was a whole dynamic. Um, yeah, for sure. But I remember one time... Uh, this isn't a story I write about in the in my little ebook, but... There was a gay, way, a gay cook or busboy or something from Italy 
and um, the maitre d sort of was gay and he sort of brokered this romance between us because neither of us spoke the other language and he was like you guys are going to be together like go here this is you and this is you and the thing was we did we had an affair and he was like this um, lovely Italian guy who spoke very little English um, but it was sort of brokered by the Mater D, and now we're still friends on Facebook me and the um it was blessed. It was You're blessed. Right. He had really beautiful eyes. But then he ended up in a, in a future ship having an affair with another friend of mine, who uh, a British guy who I've since been in contact with. We won't say his name. But I think, I think my friend probably had more time with him and uh, probably more exciting time with him. And I resent that because I really blazed that trail in terms of dancer tail. Uh, you were a trailblazer. I was, but I think a he... Tail, a I, trailblazer. I broke him in, and I think my friend got the better, uh, I don't know, had a better tryst. But actually, all of those six stories, the short stories that you wrote, they all are very revealing, salacious. Like, you are a little vixen. I'm a little... Well, I... I wasn't uh, I wasn't feeling very well during the time that I was writing it and so I, I didn't and I also didn't have a lot of time so I just was like I'm just gonna write what happened and there was one story that we had to tone down the sexual really content well because I said well and then this happened and then he went down on me and then that and then you know like I kind of like spelled out what happened you crossed a travelogue line. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, can you soften this a little bit? And then I, I turned it in on a Friday, and it I would get one more pass at it on Monday to look at it laid out, and then it would be up online in like a week and a half. Like, it was that fast. Yeah, there's no paper involved. And over the weekend, I was like, did I say too much? Did I? Am I embarrassed by this? I'm such a... I was kind of raw as I was writing it. And then I thought, you know what? screw it. It's not that edgy. And also people tend to connect to things that are true, that are vulnerable. The, the more, so I was just, I just kind of left it and. Oh, I thought that, I mean, I yeah. think they're, they feel open and honest and they, they ring true. I mean, it's, and what's crazy is that like you're in all these exotic places and it feels like, oh, you should have made these up, but they actually happen. Well, thank you. And you know, I think it's, it's worth a two ninety nine uh, drop in, in, your, in a Kindle account. It's a bargain. Dennis. It's a bargain, and I haven't read the other five pieces yet. But I I don't know if any of them mention George Michael or Madonna. Uh, name dropping. Yeah, yeah. Those I are mean, the those all those songs that remind me of that time. Was it? Oh, was that all in the cassette era? Or yeah, was it, it was all. Was it CD? Well, the very end, the last story. I talk about making mixtapes in my friend Antonio's cabin, and he was, like, the first person I knew on the ship that had a CD player. Holy cow. And it was, like, as I was leaving the ships, that's when things were going from cassette to CD. But I still have a lot of mixtapes that I made from that time, and I still listen to them sometimes. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Because then you, because it was all those electronic places in St. Thomas that was... Right. People would buy their gadgets and, like, everyone... There were certain ports that were good for gadgets, like St. Thomas and uh, Hong Kong. I remember buying a, a fancy camera lens there. And I also had suits made in Hong Kong and got in big trouble for them, which you will read about in the opening. I didn't... Like, you know what the thing is? All chapter. six of those stories... I mean... 
we've known each other forever. I didn't know any of those stories. I didn't. Did you? You didn't that, know about the guy I stowed away for, or no, I, um, I. That was a very short-lived thing. Of course, I can't remember anything anymore. So, but I don't. But most of those stories, I don't think you were on the ship for any of them. Did you? Were those common knowledge or those stories that you've told before? Not a lot. Like, I don't, I've never told the Hong Kong story before. I mean... About coming back. About coming back and, yeah, and the disaster that happened when I got back. Because that, that's actually when I read it, I thought, well, that's something I think that you haven't... No. ...been... Because it's kind of a scary thing. You don't it know was really scary looking for you or not. Um, yeah, I got in trouble at customs. But for years after that, I felt like when I went through customs, something came up in the computer and I got scrutinized a little harder. Really? Yeah, I felt like that for years. It may have just been in my head, but then I felt like there was a point where where it uh, it changed and I and it wasn't like that anymore. Um, you never know what kind of information is running around. You don't. Like, um, I had something similar happen. I was, um, it was when I wasn't working for Princess, but we were in Russia and you know, I was just buying stuff at a swap meet or something, right. and I bought this, like, little, um, I don't know, it was probably during the share sanctuary period that I felt the need to have an icon or something. You had a lot of gothic the, stuff. The gothic stuff, like, I need, felt the need to buy, and so I bought it off the street for $10, and then I was going back to the ship, and all of a sudden I was surrounded by all of these guards, and they're, like, just shouting at me in Russia. And they had me in a Because room. of that thing that you bought. Yeah, because of this. And they kept screaming at me and just showing me that. And I'm like, listen, we're getting nowhere here. I don't understand you. And Were uh, you afraid you were going to miss the ship or yeah, get stuck there? Yeah, like everybody was like really afraid for me. But people knew that you had gotten taken. Yeah. People knew where you were. And I, for some reason, I didn't feel that afraid. I don't know why. I was actually kind of mad because it's like, listen, I didn't do anything wrong. Take it if you want it. I mean, I really don't have a place for it anyway in the house that I'm thinking <laughs> I mean, just so did it. you did you end up keeping it or did no, you have to give I it up? Like, I mean, I, but the the thing they did keep saying is like five hundred dollars. I think they were. It was like, a shakedown. It was a shakedown. They wanted me to pay like five hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah. Listen, I bought it for ten. It's not worth five hundred. Just keep it. And so finally, the ship was getting ready to sail, and they let me go. But I would get these letters every year from After the, the fact? Yeah, so I mean it's like weird that I think that but um, I actually had somebody interpret one and I and I, I want to say that they said, you know what, it's a letter saying do you want your icon back? Oh, so they, were, like, they were they would have given it back to you. I'm like, you know what, I don't even want to know. Yeah, I've changed my um, saying my design My habits. designs, yeah. yes, I've, that's that was a phase, it's over. <laughs> we're not talking about it ever again. Even Sanctuary went out of yeah, business. Yeah, I know. Um, well, that's I think that's our cruise chapter, so check out my um, Kindle book. I'm going to put a link to it on the Dennis Anyone page and the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. Uh, it's a short read and it's a window into what that time was like for me. And the name of the book is Six of One and then my chapter, which you can buy individually, is Mariner's Club Mixtape. And um, thank you for reading it, Scott. And uh, and you just download your... You can cha- download the whole thing or you can download just mine. So... Mine is two ninety nine, and I'm not sure how much the whole book is. And but it's got a nice cover. It's got a nice splash page. You I know, could do a shout back to splash, splash page. page. The whole thing happened really fast. Like 
do you want to do this? Yeah, sure, I'll write it, whatever, and there you go. So, um, now, Scott, you, as a creative director, you work a lot with design elements. What is your favorite typeface? I mean, right now, I'm going through a phase which is a little old, but it's Gotham. You um, like it's Gotham? A, it's a Gotham font family that's sort of modern, and, you know, it's got everything from light to ultra, so you've got lots of choices. It's just a nice, simple, clean font face. Now, if you're going to send out a cover letter or an email, do you, do you mess with the sort of default fonts, or do you just go with, like, whatever it is? Um, you know... I actually go with Helvetica New or Avenir. Oh, Avenir. Or, or Interesting. Avenir or like an Arial. Because okay. most people will have that on their computer because most of the time you don't want to do that because it'll just go to a default font. Yes. You don't want to send something quirky and then have it turned into something you don't want. That's interesting. Pretty soon they're looking at a Cooper Black Dennis and Oh, and then why don't you just say hi, I'm a, a redneck. I'm a clown. <laughs> I, I have no business being, you know, in the in business with you. I'm a I'm having a Calibri moment. Really? Yeah. Full on Calibri moment. But mostly for my internal use. I don't I don't need to You don't send it out just like I might now. sometimes, but yeah. Like your personal fonts. Yeah. Now you picked a few questions from the uh, observation deck before we got into the car. Um, okay, one of them was, "What's the most unprofessional behavior you've ever witnessed?" Um, I always tell the story about I was doing a huge presentation for film titles. It was a big film sequence, right? For a big blockbuster. And I went into the room, and for some reason, it was a younger director and uh, a very well-known, experienced executive producer. So he was leading the meeting. Okay. And, you know, we do these pitches. They're free. They take a lot of time. Right. So you guys do this whole pitch. Nobody pays you a dime, and you hope you get the job. Yeah. And, you know... You, and they're beautiful, and at that time they were all mounted on foam core and beautiful printouts. Right. I mean, just somebody taking the Exacto and cutting that and spray mount. You know, you know. Yes, that. yes. So anyway, he started looking at them. The exec producer did. Yeah, and just being nasty and saying, "What is this? I don't know this," and just throwing them on the floor. Literally throwing your farm yeah. car things on the floor. And I'm like, "Well, first of all, you didn't pay for these." And yeah. You know, it's just like out of a creative respect, even if you don't like the idea, um, you know, you could just set it aside uh, yeah. and be civil about it. But anyway, he just kept, I don't know, maybe he was having a bad day. He just kept being nastier and nastier and throwing stuff on the thing. I don't get what's happening in this frame. And finally, I might have been like, I think I was ready for vacation that so day. So you were, you were already over it. Yeah. And so I finally, um, I'm not much of a fighter. So I just stood up and I'm like, I'm going to have to leave now. So I just walked out the room. Wow. Good for you. And I was just like, I'm done. And I think I was going on vacation the next day. And then um, my executive producer ran out of me, like ran after me like yeah. five minutes later. And, she, and I'm like, I've had it. I'm like, this. what are we doing this for? And she's like, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, you were in the room. She's like, we're hired. He loved, like, idea number three. Um, he picked it off the floor and said, this is what we're doing. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> That's amazing. And I 
Was there a lesson you took from that? Like, if you stand up for yourself, it might help or not hurt? Or was it just a fluky one-off experience? A fluky one. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, yes. I mean, It's all a fucking crapshoot anyway. Yeah. But I love that he literally picked up an idea off the floor and hired you. Yeah, no, and it's funny because it's, you know, a lot of the main titles I've done will come up, you know, you you'll go on HBO or Cinemax and they'll be running the movie or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. Um, so you guys got the job. So if we watched this particular movie, oh, yeah. we would see the idea that got flown on the floor. Yeah. And I, I'm, believe me, I'm going to find out who it is exactly as soon as we <laughs> shut this off. Okay. You also asked the question, where's the weirdest place you've ever been recognized? Oh, like recognize, like I'm famous. Yeah. I, I, I guess I picked that because it's always humorous that and for some reason, whenever I go to airports or I'm traveling, somebody thinks I'm somebody. Right. And I, I went through a phase where uh, everybody thought I was Michael J. Fox. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like, it was like one, a couple trips, and I'm like, and it was like in multiple places, like within a week. I'm like, was it after he'd been diagnosed or before? <laughs> was it stamped was on it, my head? I mean, I do. I or was it like. Like Back to the Future era, or like <laughs> no, no, it was it was post Ben City. It might have been post. I mean, it was a long time ago. I uh, not a long time ago, but it was. But it was grown up. My, it's not Teen Wolf, Michael. No, it's yeah. not Family Matters or Family Ties. Family Michael. Ties. No, it was. Well, what we do, baby? <laughs> without. So, what do you do when they say, "Hey, aren't you Michael J. Fox?" Um, yeah, I mean, look at my ticket. Does it say like? <laughs> Are you using, like, some, like, you know... Aliens? aliens? Yeah, no. I mean, but it is weird. And I, like... I don't... I, I guess don't I see a bit know. of the resemblance, but not a lot. I mean, my voice does crack a lot, so... So maybe that's, that's it. it. Okay, um, another question. What are some of the rookie mistakes or a rookie mistake you made on your first job? Ooh, did I pick that? I think you did. Did anything uh, come to mind? I... I don't know. I always tell the story about really not having any experience and just winging it, you know, because I, I started design with graphics. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the days where it was the first time anybody was on a computer. So I was a, one of the first to learn Photoshop. So I remember being in several big meetings and being petrified to say something, you get like the president of marketing or whatever. But at the same time, I guess it was perceived that I just knew everything. And so I would just come out and say, like, one thing is, like, you know. Oh, I my think, God, that's genius. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it should be green. Oh, my gosh, you're right. We haven't used green for a long time. Yeah, and I was just like. I, you were like, yo, you were like the silent genius that would just yeah, pipe in. Yeah, and actually I was just petrified to say anything. Yeah. So. There, I guess there you a go. In that there stuff. is a lesson. I mean, there is a lesson to listening. For well, I do think there's a lot. I've been in meetings with different group dynamics where there are people who are clearly just yakking because they're afraid if they don't talk, they won't be, be perceived as having anything to contribute. And they're bullshitting, and you're just like, I tend to like keep my mouth shut unless I have something really valuable to offer. So anyway, yeah. Uh, you also picked the question, what kind of driver are you? The fact that we haven't hit somebody in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Especially since you're multitasking. Yeah, and what, I love to multitask, but when I'm driving, I really shouldn't be. Yeah. I, like, um, it's, I'm a horrible driver. I, I, Where's the, where is the most challenge play, challenging place you've ever driven? Because when I hear of people like going to Rome and getting cars or like, I don't know, driving in crazy places, I don't think I've ever really driven 
Well, luckily, Peter loves to drive. So Your partner Jeffrey, will yeah. drive anywhere. Yeah, and he actually drove in Florence one time, and I was ready to have a heart attack. And he had the little Fiat Panda or whatever, yeah. those little, like, smart car things driving around Florence in those little... Whatever, roundabouts those, like, roundabout or whatever they're called. Going, like, a million and, like, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. Right. And, well, you guys complement each other well because the you guys the different skill sets in terms of just like day to day life. Um, so, and he can fix anything, and he's got anything that you need in his bag. It's kind of he's like Mary Poppins. It's yeah. amazing. It's a different kind of trick bag. It's a different kind of trick bag. Um, let me see what else I have. We're almost to San Luis Obispo. Why do you love this area so much? It's beautiful. I mean, it's so gorgeous. I mean, I don't know if it's a quick story, but um, we were coming up to visit people in Carmel eight or nine years ago, and we got in a car accident, and we had to spend the night here, and we got up the next morning and was driving around Cambria and found an open house, and I would just fell in love. Was that the house that you ended up getting, yeah. that open house? And the story is it was... I made an offer on it, like, the that week. Wow. And, um, and then I went back to L.A., and I'm like, oh, this is the most stupid thing I've ever done. I went back two weeks later, and my accountant screamed at me. It's like, what you What are you doing? This. Yes. And then, I, anyway, we made a pact that said, um, you know, if we can see the sunset from the living room, we'll buy it. You and Peter said that. Yeah. And, um... And the accountant. So you were hanging out in the open house at sunset or whatever. Well, we were actually at Moonstone having um, coffee, and which was, is a nearby beach. Yeah, and it was um, really um, cloudy, and um, and we're, and I'm like, so you were waiting if the sun comes out or if it doesn't come out. We want to see the because the the real estate agent said that we could see the sunset from the living room. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's yeah. like amazing, but I don't believe you. Yeah, I think you're full of it. Yeah. Okay, so you're putting him to the test. So, yeah, and so we were sitting there, and then I'd just been screamed at by the accountant, and then I was like, this is it's insane. It's so much money. It is really a stupid idea, and I was really beating myself up for even coming back. Right. And and on top of it, it was it gets really foggy there a lot, right. so it was really, it had been foggy all day. I'm like, okay, this is stupid. You're not going to get your sunset. No, I'm not going to get a sunset. And then right when we were finishing dinner. I'm getting chills. um, The the sun, like, was setting, and it just um, broke through all of the clouds. And we're like, holy crap. And we just threw money on the table. (laughs) Um, We ran. You win. (laughs) You win. We threw money on the table. We ran up um, to the the house, which was locked, um, and we ran up the yard and stood right in front of the living room windows and watched the sunset, and I'm like, I guess I'm buying this. That's an amazing story, and it's an incredible house. It's so unique, and you guys have done such a great job with decorating it, and it really is, like, a magical place. And it is real. I mean, the accountant, I don't know if I just said this, but he was really smart. He goes, this is the stupidest financial decision you'll ever make. And I'm charging you $150 just to tell you that. But he goes, you have to know that it's an emotional decision. And if that's where you find peace and that's someplace that really feels like home, you should do it. And he was smart enough to say that. To get the human element yeah. of it. Yeah. And which is, it was really some of the best advice, even though. Well, he, it, he gets that there's a human element to it. And if you. If you feel something, you know, if, if you had been that emotionally invested and then turned away, 
I think it would have haunted you a lot. And yesterday, you and I went for a walk along the boardwalk on the beach, and you were saying to me that it never gets old. You never get tired of that walk. Yeah, it's that water. It's the beauty of nature. It instantly, it always makes me, you know, at peace. Um, so, yeah, no, it's absolutely worth it. And... You know, I went back, I put the offer in, and then I, it was like one of those things that you sometimes buy. It's like, oh, crap, I really have to go to work on Monday now. Yeah. You know, you well, should be like, oh, I'll just buy these expensive jeans. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's like I've spent money, so I really have to go to work now. This right. It's good. not a one-month thing that I'm trying yeah. to pay off a trip or yeah. whatever. This is the ultimate, like, oh, like, crap, I have to go back to work. But I remember you were working your ass off at that time, and the job was so demanding. Did having that place at least, like, help you justify the oh the stress of that job yeah and even if we would go like um you know once a month or sometimes just twice a month we'd just be there overnight or whatever it was always worth it it was weird well it's a fabulous place maybe i'll put a couple pictures of of cambria on the website so you can see the beauty of of where uh we are so it was an accident though i didn't remember the story of like if you hadn't had that accident oh yeah no and i actually wanted to go back home and just sleep for three days i was like there's a whole story that how bad was the accident um it, we just got rear-ended but i was so tired and exhausted from just having to work so much that um we had just driven through el polio loco and i had uh a, el polio bow on my lap and it just went all over my face oh, shit. and peter said i was in shock and there was just guacamole on my face and i just like <laughs> took my finger and licked it and i just was like and staring. this is in the aftermath of the accident yeah i was did you get rear-ended or did you hit the person in front of you no, or what? we were rear-ended and i'm wow. like let's just call it a day let's go yeah. home and he he rallied and like got a car and said no we're going so no so even that was pretty amazing that he did that wow that's really cool well, it's a beautiful place, and this time we got to go to a place called Centrally Grown, which is, like, my new favorite place to write. It's, like, this cool, like, uh, store with a bar attached and locals that have affairs with people, and it's all... it's a, It could be, like, a nighttime soap, but a sleepy nighttime soap where everyone's in bed by, like... Oh, nine. Nine o'clock. Yeah, they roll up the sidewalks. Well... Ten. Well, I um, thank you for hosting me these last few days. Uh, I love that we got to spend time up here. I love that we've been friends so long. I love that we have the cruise uh, thing in our blood. We actually went, uh, Scott got to come with me in November to the inauguration of the Regal Princess with all the old Love Boat people. Was that, and I had been back in that world a bit because I'd done these shows for Princess in the last few years, but you were totally having a time warp. It was freak out. It was weird because it was like, it was truly like I've had like three individual chapters of my life and that was, you know, like career and everything. And that was a chapter and I haven't remembered a lot of that stuff for a long time. And it was like somebody dropped the book and put the pages back in the wrong order. Yeah. No, it was like, it was really cool. But I remember like what was interesting about how everybody still kind of felt like family when you told them that you used to work there it's like oh you're you know you're one of us because you understand that cruise life or cruise ship life i don't know i think it's i i feel like in that world i don't i think it's there are people in my post cruise life that that are like not not like sworn enemies but like i want nothing to do with these people and i feel like in that world because you had to deal with each other, there's nobody that I wouldn't 
be nice to if I saw them again. Yeah. Like, there's nobody that would be like, you're dead to me. Yeah. Um, maybe because the pressure wasn't that much, but also maybe because I mean, you're, it, you're in that world and you have to make it work. Yeah. And, you, and, and there's a familial feeling to it, a family feeling to yeah. it. Yeah, I think that that's the main thing. It's like you all, everybody was working really hard and you really had to all stick together or it was going to be miserable because you also lived and worked so close together. So, but no, I have really nothing but really fond memories of it. Um, and the and the dilemmas, like I remember once getting in trouble because I was late back from pork and I wasn't there to do the chicken dance. I mean, that was a bit, and that was a big thing. But it, it wasn't like life and death the way sometimes things in Hollywood can feel. Everyone's so fear driven and. Uh, and like you know, and this was kind of like, well, that show didn't go so great, but it's a new cruise, it's a new thing. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, so you can't sing Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> but you know what? You call good bingo numbers, and you love to dance with the ladies, and you look like and Michael J. Fox. So we're like we're gonna keep you. Yeah. Um, so all is good. All is good. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We're almost to the train station. Thank you again for multitasking and for the amazing weekend. And I hope that we have more ship adventures coming our way because we, we might. That would be fantastic. Another right. chapter. All right. Check out my ebook. It's called Mariner's Club Mixtape. Uh, just search for it on Amazon and um, let me know what you think. And thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to my old friend Scott Williams. You can check out his work at PembrokeCreative.com. And if you have a project that might be right for him, reach out. He's awesome. All right. For the, so this happened. I'm just, I talked about everything already. But I, uh, I want to just give you more specifics about my ebook, Mariner's Club Mixtape. It is part of a, a compilation called Six of One, where six different writers write about travel-related subjects. And you can buy all six of them on Kindle or just my little section for $2.99. And I, if you do, I hope you enjoy it. And um, that's cool. The other thing I wanted to let you know about is my guest from last week, D'Lo, his show extended at the Gay and Lesbian Center here in L.A. through May 17th. So if you haven't caught it, you still have time. Go to LGBT Center, LALGBTCenter.com. Org and check it out. All right, that's it. Thanks again to Scott and Peter for a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Oh, and I also wanted to say that my podcast guest from last week, D'Lo, his show extended at the Gay and Lesbian Center until the 17th. So uh, if you want to check that out, go to lgbdcenter.org and look under On Our Stages. All right, that's it. Thanks a lot, and we'll catch you next time. Bye!